Welcome, JR. Welcome back, Sue. It's good to have you in class with us tonight. Um, we have talked about contentment and worry. We've talked about examples of good stewardship and bad stewardship. We've talked about the importance of listening to counsel. Uh, we've uh, t had a fair number of classes uh, dealing with the stewardship of our finances. Uh, we've studied how wealth is, can be both a blessing and a danger. We've talked about ways to save. We've taken a look at the parable of the talents. We've talked about budgeting our finances. <clears throat> we've looked at wisdom from Solomon. And tonight, and the next class, we will shift the focus away from uh, our finances and our uh, monetary resources, and we'll focus on the idea of uh, being good stewards of our time. And so tonight is part A of that, and Bob will lead us in part B of that. Um, no doubt things that we've talked about to this point have been directly applicable uh, to this topic as well, but I think it will do us well to, uh, to focus uh, on this particular aspect of uh, how God has blessed us and what He has entrusted to us. So, um, I think it's true to say that people in general live by the clock. Okay? Thus, we have one right there on the wall. Uh, most of us have some timekeeping device on our person, maybe more than one. Uh, we live by the clock. Why? why? Why do we live by the clock? Well, one reason is because time is important to us. Um, it is Benjamin Franklin who said, Do not squander time, for it is the stuff life is made of. Okay, maybe you've heard that before. But, um, but we're going to consider various aspects about uh, time management tonight. One, so that we can increase our awareness of time, of priorities, and of opportunities. Uh, we want to see the importance of time. We want to learn how to work smarter, uh, especially as we think about working for the Lord. And it's good to understand some principles of biblical time management. So those will be a few uh, topics that we try to cover as we go throughout our class today. So Craig, with that, would you lead us in prayer? God, we pray that you would bless us as we study your word together, as we consider the, the blessing of, of time, the days that you've given us to live and to enjoy, that we would be mindful that what you've given to us is precious and should be used well. Help us not to squander it, uh, but to, to make use of, of what we've been given, that we can bless others, that we can glorify you. We are not guaranteed any amount of time, Lord. And help us to be mindful of that, to use what we have, and to long for the day where we can forever be with you where there is no time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> we are not guaranteed any certain amount of time. And this week has been a stark reminder. And, and a good thing in that regard, we need, I need to be reminded of that. 
Um, as we as we think about time and you know kind of some of the problems we face in in managing our time, uh, we might ask, well, what what is the problem? What is the problem with the way we manage time? Is it is it fair to say that life, with all of its demands, life is simply, especially today, too busy? Uh, I think I made some comment about that uh, recently. Uh, we say things like, there just isn't enough time in a day to do everything I need to do. Right? <laughs> a co-worker kind of jokes as he's leaving at the end of the day and packing up. He says, oh, I only wish there were more hours I could stay and work. You know, he's being so facetious. But, you know, we, we sometimes feel that way. Or we say things like, I just don't know where the time goes. Okay, we may say that in a day, we may say that in a week, we may look at this year and it's uh, August the 17th. Wow, where does the time go? <clears throat> I'll try to find time, we may say, but I'm just hard pressed for time at the present. Or maybe you've heard someone say something like, I'm working on six projects and four of them are full time. You know, you, so you wonder, well, how, how does that work? And what's the reality? <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. But on top of life and its demands just being too busy, it's kind of crazy, but true, at least it is for me, that too much of my time is wasted. And, you know, with things that are inconsequential or things that really just don't matter. And you look back and you think, oh, you know, maybe you've read email or uh, checked sports scores or read the news and before you know it, you've, uh, you've spent 30 minutes, an hour. If you caught up on social media, it turns into two hours or, or more in any given day. Well, the problem that we each face, especially in society today, is not the amount of time that God has allotted, up, allotted to us, but rather, perhaps it's more of our view of time, our view of life itself, and then how we use the time that we have been given. Uh, I think it's fair to say that what is needed is a better use of the time we have combined with a biblical view of time. I'm going to try to play uh, a video. I imagine most of you have seen it before. But it's entitled the Francis Chan Rope Illustration. And uh, even if you've seen it, it's good, I will uh, uh, argue, to watch again as we consider this, this idea. I want to see if I can pull this off.
the world's going to keep making you look at your past, your past, your past. And we've got to keep looking at the future. You look at your past, you're going to get depressed. And you're going to get stuck in your past. You look to your future and go, man, what is that moment going to be like? See, my actions, a lot of the things I do is because I'm thinking about my future. And I'm thinking about that moment when I see Jesus because I realize that everything I do is going to bring either reward or regret. It really is. I've got an extra thousand bucks. Okay, on that day, that future, when I see Jesus, what is going to bring reward and what's going to bring regret? I, I could buy a lot of fun things for myself with that thousand bucks, but on that day, Paul's saying, I'm just looking at that day, going on that day, maybe I just give it to the poor, because on that day, I'll be rewarded for it, versus, yeah, I mean, we've all bought things we regret, right? You go, oh, that was a waste of money, that's a waste of money, that's a waste of money. Think about what we're going to say at the end, when we stand before God. Are you going to regret the car you drove, regret the house you lived in, regret the clothes you wore, regret, you know, just, just everything. What are you going to regret? What about your time and how you spent it? Are you going to, are you going to go, oh, I'm so glad I watched 7,000 movies. Or are you going to regret, wow, I wasted all of that time now. It's, it's, it's about the future. Paul's going, man, what am I going to look forward to at the end? I'm going to bring an illustration that, this is like the first illustration I did. It was 20 years ago, but I can't think of a better way to, to explain it. Um, I actually didn't use a rope back then. I used a, remember a, remember a computer paper? when uh, it was all stuck together and it had the holes on the side that you had to peel off. Remember that? I remember getting a, a roll, and some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, which is crazy to me, but because uh, that was the best, you know? And, um, and it never worked right because of the rolling things, but, uh, but I, I, had, I remember being a youth pastor and I put uh, that computer paper all the way around the room, and, uh, but I'm gonna use a rope now because I can't find that computer paper. Um, Imagine this rope, okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever, okay? Just imagination. Pretend it goes around the world a few times, it doesn't, it ends at the rock. But uh, let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about, you're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know what, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. <laughs> and you're consumed with that. You're thinking, oh man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about that? What about all this stuff? It's just, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can, Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. 
See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face Him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, Oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid, because it's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I look I look at the way people live, and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going you're gonna to do that right now, just to enjoy right now, not even knowing if you have tomorrow, and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb. It doesn't make any sense. Paul goes, I'm not going to look around at all this stuff. And it's tempting. It's tempting to all of us. That's what I'm saying. Down here, it's crazy because everyone lives that way. Everyone lives for the red part. No one's thinking about the millions of years afterwards. It's, it's, it's this crazy deception that we can't get out of our minds. And Paul goes, I'm not doing that. He goes, I keep my eyes on that. I keep my eyes on that finish line. And I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm not looking around. I'm just going to, I'm straining because I'm straining forward. I'm like stretching forward for that mark. I'm going to pass this thing. I'm going to live this out. And I'm going to face Him. I'm going to come before the judges and He's going to hand me that trophy. He goes, I'm going to get it. And I haven't gotten there yet. He goes, but I, you better believe I'm using every muscle, exerting every bit about me because I'm going to pass that line well. is very convicting to me. It's so easy to get caught up in the here and now and fail to appreciate living for eternity. And as Craig prayed, I think it's good that we are reminded uh, that life, we're not guaranteed. What we are guaranteed is that there will be an eternity and that we will stand before God and we will give an accounting of our life before Him. And thankfully, He who promised is faithful. And He will uh, treat us justly and fairly. Think about uh, Jesus and time. It seems like as as much as Jesus was about in his life, it, it doesn't seem that the Bible reflects that he was in a hurry about what he was doing. He was purposeful, he was determined, he was opportunistic, but he didn't seem to be in a hurry. He was doing the most important job in history, redeeming the world, and he knew he only had a few years to do it, but he never seemed to be running, just here and there. It is true he made time to consider the flowers and the birds of the air. He had time to put his hands on the little children and bless them. I think it's arguable to say that time was his friend. But as we think about Jesus and time, look at Mark chapter 1. <clears throat> Mark chapter 1. 
And uh, Sarah, if you would, read verses 13 through 15. 13 through 15, Mark 1. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Okay, the time is fulfilled, and the the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, I, I've heard it said, you know, that you know, time time doesn't mean anything to God in, in some in some fashion, but yet we know that God has a timing in mind, and He was looking forward to this time when uh, the, the, it would be fulfilled. And the kingdom of God would be at hand. Look in Galatians 4 and verse 4. Galatians 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under law. There, God has had a timeline all along to redeem and save His people. And Jesus was the fulfillment of that. Corresponding to that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> and Jesse, if you would, 2 Corinthians 6, read verses 1 and 2 please. Yes, yeah, 2 Corinthians 6, verses 1 and 2. Now because we are fellow workers, we also urge you not, to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, I heard you at the acceptable time, and in the day of salvation I helped you. Look, now is the acceptable time. Look, now is the day of salvation. So what do you take away from that, that text in the context of what we are discussing? What does it, what does it point out? What does it emphasize to you? I think about, you know, kind of like what we talked a little bit last time. <coughs> there's some planning. There was some planning involved. And mm-hmm. that plan involves some timing of specific things. <coughs> so it's very interesting to see God prioritize and measure out and, and do everything at the, at the appropriate Yeah, time. yeah, absolutely. And what are then the implications? What are the implications for us? Uh, especially related to verse 2. Assignment question number two asked, name three things that you consider time-sensitive in your life. Time-sensitive. Second uh, Corinthians 6 and verse 2 might implicate that what could be time-sensitive? Salvation. And my view of that, what am I doing with that? Am I acting on that? Am I sharing that with others? Or is that something, uh, I'll get to that someday. Uh, it seemed that with God, there was going to be this fullness of time. And, and with uh, the spreading of the gospel, there is a time, uh, a day of salvation. There is an urgency. Uh, Romans 5 and verse 6 says, In due time, Christ died for our sins. And then, 
Uh, I asked you to look at John chapter 11. If you'll turn to the Gospel of John chapter 11. We have this account uh, regarding uh, Jesus and Lazarus. could argue that for the sake of time we won't read all of this, but why, why not? Um, John chapter 11 and let's, uh, let's pick up reading there in verse 6. And uh, well, actually we'll just pick, begin reading in verse 1. Uh, John chapter 11, uh, verse 1 and let's see. Uh, Bob, would you read uh, the first 16 verses? And then, uh, Justin, if I can get you read 17 to 29. And then, uh, let's see, uh, Andrew, if you would read then verse 30 through 45. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. His brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord... He whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, for uh, it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And then, uh, then after this, he said to his disciples, Let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. If anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And, you're for sa- and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let's go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. 
When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would, have not, would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have also kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Okay, we'll, make, we'll talk about this in a couple of different ways. I want to start looking at um, uh, verses 7 down through verse 10. Uh, Jesus tells his disciples in verse 7, Let's go to Judea. Then the response of the disciples is what? Are you crazy? Yeah, you're going to get yourself killed. But what was Jesus' response? I'll admit, it's a bit of a head-scratcher. The words are, are, are challenging, I think. But, but what, it was, what is Jesus, what, what kind of reference or response does he make? Well, I was in a day, and it's light, you go. If it's dark, you stumble. Alright, All right. so there, there is daylight... There is a time when you can navigate and uh, seemingly do so uh, without, without risk of stumbling and falling. But if you walk around in the nighttime, yeah, guess what? You're going to fall down because the light is not in you. Anybody want to jump out there on the end of that ladder? Go ahead, Jesse. Uh, it referred himself as the light of the or been referred to as the light of the world and yeah. even said you don't have me forever right like, yes this is this is the the time that the light is shining yeah and it's time to do stuff yeah I, is, I guess is the yeah there. yeah yeah he even said in one place right the poor you will always have with you but there's a there's a time there is is there not maybe a, a sense of urgency now's not the time to go to Judea it's too risky and, and it seems that that Jesus is maybe saying there's only there's only a limited amount of time to do work and, and that we need to work while there is light available to work by. And I'm sure there are probably other implications. Anybody have any other comments or thoughts, questions they want to raise about that? Micah. I, I agree and see that point. But it's interesting also in light of verse 6. In light of verse 6? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Uh, that... He stayed two days longer. 
Yes. Yes. This is the first time I've realized he was only two miles away. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for clarifying that. Which I mean, even I don't know why they didn't come get him. <laughs> <laughs> and the implication when they sent for him was what? The implication Lazarus had not yet died. He's sick. The implication was what? Yeah, if you'll come now, you can heal him. Jesus waits two more days. So, so it's a balance of having a purpose while there is light and, and being busy with and yeah. but also there may be a purpose in waiting and yes. not rushing to do yes. things. Yes. It was a half an hour away. <laughs> At a normal pace. At a normal pace, that's right. So that's yeah. That, thanks for bringing that out. I, that, that had escaped me, Bob. To be honest. So you know, to, to put all of this together, and what is Jesus trying to accomplish? Well, he's he's trying to show them. Uh, he's trying to show them really who he is. And, and so you know, again, the the regrets are uh, in verse twenty one. So. Uh, Martha goes out to meet Jesus and in verse 21 says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, if you had been uh, just a little bit sooner, you could have saved him. And uh, Jesus' response, Jesus' response is, is pointing to that idea of, of being Jesus being the resurrection. And... Uh, when he said, your brother will rise again. And the response is, well, I know on the last day. But the reality was that Jesus was trying to show that, as he says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. And, you know, the purpose, as Micah points out, Jesus had a purpose in using this element of time uh, to teach. Not only to use the opportunity to maybe put himself at some risk in order to do the work that he was sent to do, uh, but to also be able to use that for a greater purpose than just uh, simple physical healing, but to show that he truly was the one who is the resurrection and the life. What? Anything else you see in that passage? Correct. So, just to clarify, uh, in the previous chapter, it said that Jesus had just gone back to area of the Jordan where John had been baptized. Okay, okay. Where they found him. Okay. So the, the, the reference there in verse 18 is simply reminding us where Bethany is, but Jesus was not in Jerusalem at that point. Okay. They were, they were coming back up, I think it's something like 30 miles. Okay. Day's journey, I better note that says it was about a day's journey. And that would have been a long day. Yeah. Okay. Day for the okay. Does that make sense? Well, I was looking up in verse 22 of the prior chapter where uh, they were talking about the feast and Jesus was in the temple. That's yes. why I assumed he was in the temple. Ah. Yeah, but later on in verse 40, it says, He went again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And that was further up north. Okay. Okay. Jesse. I really like when he talks about I am the resurrection. It, like, I see myself getting so caught up in the ceremony and I mean maybe focusing, how do I put this without sounding crazy, like the ceremony of worship and things like that and kind of forget that 
he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the the life and the resurrection. I just love because she was like, sure, I get it. It'll be later. That's down the road. And he's like, no, I am it. Yeah. This is what you're working towards. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It, it, again, it, it puts our existence here on earth into an eternal perspective. And am, am I recognizing that the things that I do, the things that I say, uh, the work that I engage in, it's all a part of an eternal perspective, even if it's worship. And worship is a lot of times, even like us being together right now, it's a here and now kind of thing. But is there, is there a greater purpose in this that it's intended to, to be drawing us toward God for an eternity? And am I, am I mindful of that? Time. We, we, I am so time-bound in an earthly perspective. Am I considering my time here from an eternal perspective? And I think that's a part of what Jesus was wanting them to see uh, as they would believe in Him as the resurrection and the life. Anything else? So there, uh, J.R. John, I think uh, when Jesus is talking in verse 9, Verses nine yes. about uh, twelve hours in the day. It reminds me of what he said when he was about to heal the man uh, in John nine. I must work the works of God uh, while it is day. The night's coming when no man can work. And, and so, and uh, you know, you look at how Jesus used his time. But I also think it's important here with the story of Lazarus to let it be known that God's timetable is not always our. Timetable. Jesus delayed two days to us and to the Jews at that time. That doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. but it was for the glory of God. His time is not our time. Thank you for that. And, you know, in the topic of priorities as well, Jesus shows, uh, you know, where, where are the priorities uh, for him? And it should, make, it should make me stop and think as well about priorities and perhaps the subject of opportunities. So this is this is a little simplistic, um, but if we if we think about the idea of time management, uh, we can think about it as an acrostic, okay? And that time is truly a treasure. It is, it is a treasure that God has, uh, has given us and that He has entrusted to us. Uh, which is more valuable? Time or money? How would you answer that question? Someone told me one time, this was a friend, he said, money is kind of the inventory of time that you store it up and it's the only way you can save time to use it later. But I thought that was an interesting thought. I had not heard that. Okay. With time you can make more money. You can't buy more time with you can't buy more time with money. Yeah. Yeah. So I think time would be the answer. Exactly. You cannot make more time. Theoretically you can make more money but not more time. In fact, James, right? James described our life, how? As a 
as a vapor, as a mist. And, uh, you know, you see it now, and then it's gone. So time is truly a treasure, and we should invest wisely. Now, I don't, I don't often think about investing in terms of, when I hear that word, my first and natural thought is to go to the dollar sign. But, but yet we do. We invest, we invest in time. And it, it, is, it is true that what we invest in reveals what is important to us. It's a window into our hearts. And sometimes that's not a pretty picture. Sometimes it reveals things about us that we don't want to admit. We wouldn't want others to see. And somehow I can imagine that God doesn't see if I don't want Him to know. You know? You think about think about having time, making time for God. Uh, Bob Boyd and I get the chance to talk to uh, a lot of you, in fact most all of you at one time or another and uh, it's not uncommon that we ask how are you doing spiritually? How are you doing with what we would say are important things like Bible study and prayer? And you could, if you could guess, what, what's the typical response? How are you doing with your Bible reading, your Bible study? The typical response is, well, I need to do better at that. I, I know I'm not doing as much as I should. I need to get back on that. Uh, and the excuse we make in our, in our minds is what, typically? I don't have time for that too. I don't have time for that too, yes. Okay. We are to love the Lord with all of our heart. We should have time for God. We should invest wisely. We should have time for our family. We should have time for others to love our neighbor as ourselves. And it, it's kind of it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. Uh, the 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 model with our our finances. It's who are you going to pay first? And we ought to give the first fruits to God of our of what He has blessed us with financially, monetarily. We ought to do the same thing uh, with our time. And then we should manage our time. Alright, I'm going to do one more here. This is a short one.
The rocks represent our goals for the week, such as classes, going to work, studying for an exam, or writing a paper. gets full quickly and there is no room for our goals. But if we put our big rock in first, there is still room for the urgent task. seen that before. First What's things first. First things first. Alright. And if you do first things first there's time for the rest. There there ends up being time remaining. But you got done what you would have said were the priorities. You got those accomplished. You got the important things done. What else is a takeaway from that? It takes planning. It takes it takes uh, being purposeful. It takes sitting down and figuring out what are my priorities. What what really is important to me. And then acting accordingly. Turn to Ephesians chapter five, please. Ephesians chapter five. Verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an aroma and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Uh, I said aroma twice. An offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. 
But do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you formerly were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says... Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So, what are, what are some aspects of time management that you see, especially there in verses 14 through 17, but uh, in the context of that greater reading. What are some principles? What do you see there? Micah. In verses 3 and 4, uh, some people can fill up their time oh. with playing out things that are in, not in accordance with God and His ways. Very good. Very good. So it is, it is possible, may we say, to misuse uh, our time. Very possible. We understand that. Good. What else? talks about making the most of your time okay. whatever that time is uh, and so using it wisely as, as the, the video was talking about planning uh, understanding like in verse 17 understand what the will of the Lord is and it's okay. to make the most of the time in the proper way Somebody have another reading uh, on that verse rather than make the most of the time? One version, is it the King James that says walk circumspectly? Yes. And redeem the time. Redeem. Redeeming redeem. Redeem. Okay. Which, which implies what, Joy? What does that mean to redeem? Well, to buy back. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah what if you... Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a thinker. Yeah, who do we buy it back from? We're yeah. buying it back from ourselves. Yeah. Our selfish ambitions, we're buying it back from that. We're taking it <clears throat> away from that carnal meaning. Okay, okay. All right. Another thing, I think, it, it's be alert. And yes. Just be aware of, um, I guess, maybe how you're using your time so you can make some changes. Because it's possible, per this text, to be in what state? Asleep. You to be asleep? Yeah. And, 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 and is it almost he not saying, wake up? Well, he does say that. Not almost. <laughs> wake up. You've been asleep. Uh, 
Time is a limited and a valuable resource that should or maybe must be treasured. And uh, Micah pointed this out, and the text also says that because he says the days are evil. Anne. Yep. That's when they, especially when you get together with other purposeless board people, that's when you all get in trouble together. Yes. Yes. All right. Lastly, lastly, uh, we are, we are, we should be able to enjoy the time that we have uh, been given. Uh, we should establish some breathing room in our schedules. We should uh, create some margin rather than just rushing between activities and commitments. Uh, does this remind you in any way of Jesus? What? Where do you see Jesus acting that way? He did. He withdrew to pr to pray. He he went away also from the crowds and sometimes spent time with just his closest disciples. Um, all right, we're going to build. This video was actually kind of instructive uh, about managing our time, uh, and so the next class will be an evaluation of your time. And Bob's going to send out an assignment. Uh, that will hopefully kind of parallel some of the things in the video to, to cause us, like we did with our money, to think about how am I using my time uh, to God's glory. All right. We'll look forward to class on Sunday. Thank you.